0: Hello there, this is Olivia from Ozzine Podcast. I like to listen to people talk about things, so here's a really good network for people talking about things. It's actually
1: called the Discussing Network because it's people talking about things. Enjoy!
0: Welcome back everyone. This is Discussing Comics, a podcast all about comic books, superheroes, sci-fi, television, and basically everything in between. But on this episode, we will be discussing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And how best or how better or what, how could we even get better about discussing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles than one of the hosts of the Shellheads podcast. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles podcast that can be found as part of the Reality Breached family of podcasts. And how better to do that? Well, why not just invite me over to Reality Breached? And that is what Sergio did. He invited me over to Reality Breached and we spent an hour talking about the turtles. This was an excellent opportunity to kind of relive my childhood, learn some really interesting facts about the turtles so sit back order your favorite pizza it's time for the turtles and i'm going to turn this over to reality Breached and my conversation with sergio so enjoy enjoy the turtles here we go Thank you
1: for listening to Reality Breached. In this special episode, Kyle Jones from the Discussing Network comes over to talk about Ninja Turtles. That's why this episode is on both the Reality Breached and Shellhead's feeds. He's here to talk the history of Ninja Turtles in comics and IDW turning 100. Check out Discussing Comics, available on all podcast platforms.
0: Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Comics. Uh, No, this isn't Discussing Comics because you know what it is? I have breached reality. And I have, because, you know, I have been told by my podcasting co-hosts Clarence Brown and Lee Shackelford that I do kind of live in my own reality. So I'm breaching reality today (laughs) to go to the Reality Breached podcast. Sergio, thank you for having me on. Hey, Kyle, thanks for hosting. Uh, you know, it's weird. I, I, I wanted to say welcome back to discussing who, and then I just was like, no, I want to be on Reality Breached. <laughs> I don't think like, I've ever been on Reality Breached. Yes, have you have. You oh, have. yeah, I have. I was on live, actually.
1: That yeah. Um, my, <laughs> I keep a meticulous spreadsheet tracking who has and hasn't been on reality breach. I think you've been on like three or four episodes actually. Oh,
0: well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. So Sergio, the reason I wanted to, as I said before, breach reality and come on your show, as you know, I'm a big comic book fan and I know you are a comic book fan as well, particularly because of the turtles. And this week was kind of a monumental turtle week with issue 100 of the IDW series. So, that's what I want to focus on tonight. If you don't mind, of course, you know, I want to make sure it's cool with you. Oh, absolutely.
1: Cool. Uh, I, I, I am very prepared. I, I have read all 100 of the books, uh, in, including the fantastic number 100 and all of the side books. Uh, I, I'm ready to go.
0: Sweet, sweet. Well, I say without further ado, let's get right into it. Cool, 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 cool.
1: Uh so so yeah yeah I, the the reason I asked you to come host uh is because you you are the host of Discussing Comics. And I listen to Discussing Comics all the time, but most uh, most of the episodes I've listened to and I love and a, a large chunk of that is because of how you host it and how you uh drive the conversation about comics. Uh and so I wanted you to come over to Reality Breached and 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 kind of sprinkle your uh your talents on my
0: show. Well, thank you. That you, you really don't know that that really means a lot. I really, really appreciate it because I try to do when I'm hosting something. And it's funny that you said that because I take that as, like I said, a very big compliment. And my friend Lee Shackleford also has said something similar. So that's cool that you said that, because what I love to do is try to get into questions that are more than just, well, what, what did you like about it is what makes you tick as far as liking something. And particularly, I really am thankful for you asking me on for this because I have learned a lot about the teenage mutant Ninja Turtles that has made, made me take them honestly more seriously. So, I thank you for that because I didn't have the appreciation that I think I do now and I think after you and I finish our conversation I will have even more appreciation for them. So thank you for that in advance. Awesome. I'm I'm
1: glad I could I uh, glad I could help.
0: So why don't we start at the b- very beginning in 1984 with a little parody black and white comic. So tell me about how that comic started. What was it it's what was it intended to be? And then of course we will then get to what it became. So kind of give me a little overview of that nineteen eighty four comic. Okie doke. Uh I, I, I like to claim that it was nineteen eighty
1: three. Because I was born in 1983, uh, okay, uh, and the turtles were created in the like the winter of '83. They didn't publish until '84, but you know that's just that's just me. It doesn't matter. Uh, yes, Eastman and Laird, two dudes uh, from New England, uh, j- just kind of met each other and found that they had very similar um, influences. Both of them were artists and writers, and they just kind of brainstormed. One evening and out of that brainstorm came a silly idea of mutant ninja turtles, you know, all, all, adjective, adjective, adjectives, turtles. You know, it's, it tells you exactly what it is right there in the name. Uh, they published uh, their their first issue in 84, and despite it being weird and indie and black and white, uh, it. Exploded in the you know in the New England area, and that that they ended up having to reprint it multiple times just to meet the demand, uh, you know, in that area in in, in the country. Uh, and from there, it just kind of blew up, you know, across all media and 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 that is where you know all of the you know TV shows and all the other stuff come in, come into play. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is is the comics, though the the, the, the comics are of course where the turtles started and a lot of people don't realize how important the turtles are to the underground indie comic comics movement of the uh mid 80s and early 90s.
0: Yeah, because this is before, you know, the image revolution of the creators leaving Marvel and DC, particularly Marvel to go form Image Comics. This is predating that even. So
1: Yes, yes uh and and actually when all of that was kind of becoming a thing when uh creators were 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 trying to grasp for, for for more rights than what they what they had uh at the at the two you know at the big two comic companies uh you can go back and read old issues of the turtles and you know they would have little editorial pieces about uh how writers should own their stuff and marvel has been screwing people over for decades and reading it out of context, it does, doesn't make much sense, especially if you think about Marvel today. But Marvel back then was very much, you, you know, you're a contract, we own everything you do, and blah, 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 blah. Well, right. uh, th- during that first Turtles run, uh, Eastman and Laird were very busy. They were very busy men, uh, so they had to hand the book off to dozens and dozens of just independent creators to try to, you know— keep a keep a bi-monthly schedule going. You know, if we want to have a comic book printed by what they were calling Mirage Studios, which is their, th- that was their fake studio because they didn't have one. Uh, cool, and, cool concept. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they eventually, of course, got a studio and they, they had in-house writers, but they also farmed out a lot of it to writers, you know, independent writers, independent comic cr- creators that they really liked. Now, Most of that were, those issues, while being contained in the first volume of the book, are not considered canon. For a few reasons. One, for a very long time, Eastman and Laird did not even own those stories. Uh, staying true to their, to their roots, they allowed the writers to retain the rights to the stories that they wrote for the Turtles.
0: OK, uh, it,
1: it wasn't for another 15, 20 years later when Peter Laird, you know, bought out Eastman. He started, you know, going back and saying, well, I kind of need all of these stories if I want to do collections or if I want to do this or if I want to base one of these uh, base an episode of a TV show off of these books. So he started buying buying up all of the rights from the creators who had you know retained them over the years. There's still a few that he never got. And there's a few books that have not been reprinted uh, by IDW because they don't own the books.
0: Mm, So you know what that sounds to me is that sounds like a good intent, but with maybe not enough forethought into it, because it sounds like they were trying to do the right thing, mm -hmm. but never really thinking of the potential popularity that these characters might have
1: exactly exactly and and you and we all know that like the turtles exploded you know licensing deals and and tv shows and movies and for for a while the new line movie was the highest grossing independent film of all time Mm. so yes so 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 turtles became a really big deal and 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 throughout this entire run uh, of you know popularity the comic didn't really go anywhere like it it was it was still being published by Mirage. Uh after about was it sixty-two issues? I believe it was sixty-two issues. Uh sixty-two? Yeah. That uh, volume one ended. It ended with a with a spectacular, like twelve part City at War epic. Mm. And once City at War ended, uh that that was kind of the last time Easton and Laird wrote books together. That was that was the last story that they collaborated on uh, in the Mirage era. They the, the, they relaunched the book in volume two, and it was the first time that they had printed a regular ongoing book that was in color. So volume two is in color, which is exciting. It ran for about four years, four or five years. It had, I believe, 22 issues, 21, 22 issues, and then it was canceled, Uh, and its it's cancellation kind of coincided with the decline in the initial popularity of the Ninja Turtles.
0: All right, so let me take us back really, really quick, and I know we're sticking with the concept of the comics, but having said that – you know, we've got this independent comic that's black and white and it takes off really, really well in the geographic era, the area that they were in. But mm-hmm. just briefly, the comic that becomes the TV show cartoon, that becomes the live action movie, that et cetera and so forth. What do you think about the concept in general that made it explode because, frankly, it's a rat and four turtles <laughs> and a, a guy that's chasing them down with ninjas. What do you think of that concept? Was so appealing to people? Uh, honestly,
1: I, I I don't know. I don't know. But c- c- coming into this as a fan of the uh, the TV show first, uh, I, I believe that the the hook they got into the public was. A group of teenagers who like to have fun and eat pizza. And okay. unlike things like Transformers and He-Man and uh G.I. Joe, the Ninja Turtles were much more lighthearted in the cartoons. Uh yeah, there was fighting and there was ninja and whatever, but ultimately that show is a comedy. And Agreed. that really is what captured the you know the hearts and minds of of the masses. Uh, ironically, it, that cartoon had very little to do with the actual comic book. The comic book is very dark. Uh, sure, it, it it has humor, it has light moments, but in the very first issue, they murder the shredder. Yeah, <laughs> like there is no ongoing you know bad guy. Like th- these are adventures of Ninja Turtles
0: and, and, and they get weird. They get really weird. And if, mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong here, but wasn't in the original comic, the idea of not shredder splinter splinter, wasn't the mentor per se, except a rat that was mutated just like the turtles. He wasn't a human that was turned into a rat. Am I right there? You're
1: absolutely right. Uh, in the original comic, uh, Splinter was a rat who was the pet of Hamato Yoshi, the ninja master. And so, being the pet, apparently he learned how to ninjutsu.
0: Okay, <laughs> all right, I'll go with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there are some holes in the origin. I, I, I'm willing to admit. But, 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 yeah. There, there are some just key differences. Like in the in the original comic book, all of their masks were red. You know, uh, in the TV show, they each had different color masks. Uh, in the comic book, the uh, like Michelangelo is Michelangelo is very, very funny and very, very like cowabunga and you know surfer dude in the in the TV show. He's not so much in the comic book, not at all in the comic book. Uh, and and there is, I don't think there's any mention of pizza anywhere in the volume one run so so it 's two they're two very different versions, and a lot of people kind of like myself, backed into the comics after being exposed to the to the TV show and loved the comics uh, like completely differently
0: so here 's the note that I wrote down as I was doing my research. The Saturday morning cartoon is literally the Saturday morning cartoon, but if you go and you look at some of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic stories, it's more like this is Showtime or Cinemax or HBO versus or even AMC or but you know it had more of a serious slash adult stance whereas the other one was clearly marketed for Saturday morning audiences.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's uh, you, you hit, hit, hit the nail on the head uh, and they and they did it right. So, so that that's and the thing is, is the comic would never have been it like the comic was popular, but it never would have gotten to the point that it did without the TV show.
0: So to bring us to the point to where it did, if you would for me, kind of give me an idea or a timeline or a brief walk through history of where we go. We got up to that second series that lasted twenty some odd. You know, right, right. Episodes or issues. So tell me where we go comic wise to get us from there to the 2011 IDW series.
1: Okay, okay. Here we go. So uh, when volume two ends, uh, the popularity of the Ninja Turtles is is waning. Okay. Uh, instead of opting for a third volume printed by Mirage, they licensed out the the, the characters. To continue the story, uh, in a book printed by Image. Okay, and that one went back to the black and white roots. Uh, Frank Fosco uh, did the art on it. Like there, was, it was a much bloodier, a much uh, it was very nineties. Like it was very mid to late. Did they have 90s shoulder pads? That might as well. Like <laughs> think think cable. Okay. In the mid 90s except he's a turtle. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I mean I see where you're going cuz yeah. that that was, you know, big guns or big knives or whatever the case may be and growl. That's exactly. Exactly.
1: And 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 they like the the the, the creator of that book uh d- went into really weird places with the characters like Donatello uh almost died and had to become a well and became a a cyborg um Raphael had his face disfigured uh for a while splinter was was like had a second mutation where he was a bat so it could, like volume 3 got really weird
0: okay
1: uh, <laughs> but uh, ultimately they didn't get to finish that, that that story the the popularity the popularity of that book lasted 20 i believe 29 issues and then it ended uh, that book is actually being finished. Uh, it, it, IDW, of course, is who is who owns the license right now. They are currently reprinting that Volume 3, and once they're done reprinting it, the writer and, and artist are back to finish out the story. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. After that, there was no Ninja Turtles books being printed. Period. None. none. In Around the year 2000, Peter Laird bought all of Kevin Eastman's – Like he, he bought them out. He bought his shares of the Turtles out, and so the sole owner was Peter Laird. And at that point, he decided, you know what, I'm going to relaunch the book with Volume 4. And Volume 4 uh, was set much farther in the future, or it was set you know, kind of present day. So they're no longer teenagers, even though the book is still named Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And you're dealing with like, like, like in that in that uh, in that run, Splinter dies. Uh, they deal with aging. They deal with uh, a lot of uh, like adult stuff with April O'Neil and Casey Jones. Uh, it's it's not only had the characters matured, but so did Peter Laird's writing. Okay. And that ran for thirty some odd books or yeah thirty some odd issues, and was never actually finished uh it, it's it's that story is still out there and pending uh but during that time uh that is when the second t v show uh launched uh which was very very much spearheaded by peter laird and a lot a lot of the stories in the second t v show were based directly on old Mirage comics, okay. Uh, so th- there was a lot of, uh, I guess, brand brand unity there. Uh We got another movie. It, was, it really seemed like the Turtles were back in vogue. And then two years later, or seven years later, Peter Laird is burnt out, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to sell it. He sells it to Viacom. So ev- all of anything... Peter Laird's working on, any side books, any uh, like collections, any, any the main book, all of those were just kind of unceremoniously shut down, and all assets move over to Nickelodeon, and that's everything. Nickelodeon owns the first TV show, second TV show, uh, the live-action TV show, all the rights to the movies, uh, everything. Everything. It, everything. The only thing that Peter Laird held onto was the ability to print, I believe, up to 10 books a year in the original Mirage continuity should he choose to do so. Okay. All that's right. it. That's, that's, that's all he has left. He hasn't really done so. I think,
0: I think one book has come out since that deal was signed. Um, Curious question here, just, mm-hmm. just a speculation question. Why do you think he made that decision? I think he was, I think he was just
1: burnt out, burnt out because he had, he had helped launch a TV show and a, you know, two different comic book runs or, or, yeah, two different ver- volumes of comics in, in less than, you know, 10 years. Uh, from the year 2000 to 2009, that was probably, he was probably as busy as he was at the height of their fame because it was just him. It was him and of course the people that he had on his team. But when it comes to decision-making, it was just him.
0: And maybe it gets to a point to where you ask yourself, okay, what else is there out there? Right. You know, what else is there for me other than the Turtles?
1: Yeah. And it, I'm sure it also helped that he got a really nice coin for it. <laughs> I'm
0: sure he did. Yeah, yeah. VICOM. So back to the comics, though. So continuing on our... Timeline to get to 2011. So let's keep going. Let's see. Wait, I'm checking something real
1: quick. I don't know why I'm checking this. It doesn't matter. Never mind. Um, so there's a lull. Uh, there's this couple year period there where Nickelodeon is clearly creating a TV show. That's, that's, that's a known quantity. They're making a TV show. What do we do about the comics? Turtles have always been a comic book property. Uh, what do we do? That's where IDW swoops in, and uh, I know you uh, are very familiar with, with comics. You know that IDW's reputation is they write and print books
0: of licensed properties. Properties, exactly, because Doctor yeah. Who for, uh, for several, several years in the States was an IDW property.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Who do they currently have? Uh, Ghostbusters? Yep. X-Files? Transformers, uh, Star Trek, Star Trek. Uh, they just got Usagi Yojimbo. Like that's. Oh, what's their big one? They're, they got Sonic the Hedgehog. They're they're doing My Little Pony. Like IDW has a stable of 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 licensed properties that they're that they're doing monthly books for. So it really seemed like an obvious choice. For IDW to raise their hand and say, "Hey, can we try out the turtles?" And so that's that's what has happened. Uh, they they launched the new, I, I guess technically it's volume six if we're going by traditional volume names. But they launched the IDW comic book in 2011, uh, and let me pull up some inf- information on that.
0: So the. And here's one thing while you're doing that that I mm-hmm. found really interesting is the writer Tom Waltz has Tom been Waltz. writing this for the entire 100 issues that it's been around. That is correct. Uh, Tom Waltz, who –
1: yeah you know, he started the series with number one uh, and who – now he does have help. Uh, Kevin Eastman the, has come back into the fold and is – has kind of been an overseer, kind of help writing, help help format and, and lay out a lot of the the, the artwork uh, for the 100 issues. Like his name, Eastman's name is on every one of the first 100 issues. Okay, cool. That, yeah, that's that's how ingra- ingrained in this new series he is. Uh, he's actually drawn a couple, written and drawn a couple of like side stories all by okay. himself. So, all right. It's 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 cool to see Eastman getting more turtles work because, as as I said, he sold his share to to, to Peter Laird. So when the giant buyout for Nickelodeon came around, Eastman didn't get a dime. Oh, see that's sad. It, right, right. So, but, but it, like Kevin Eastman went on to buy Heavy Metal magazine and he p- published it for ten fifteen years. So he's been working and doing stuff, but. With this IDW launch, he's, he's kind of been – he's kind of had his hands all over it. So you're, you're kind of putting it in put, – putting the Turtles in very familiar hands while also bringing in new blood who, have, who has very exciting ideas.
0: Mm. So here's what I find interesting of the, everything that you just said. And, and what made me think of this comment was what you said just a moment ago about – you know, you were going to call this volume six. I often hear, especially Marvel, who every 12 issues will say, here's Captain America number one, volume blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, this description that you're giving me of the turtles under different publishers, under different you know, branding, et cetera, and so forth, different yeah. styles, that feels more like a true volume, not the marketing saying, oh, there's a new Captain America movie. We need a new number one issue, a new volume coming out. Right, right.
1: And and you're absolutely right. Uh, the, the Turtles, their quote unquote volumes are very much that. Like th- there, there has never been a – outside of volume two where they went in color and changed writers – I wouldn't say there's really ever been a soft reboot. Like, all of the lines in the sand created by their number one issues are distinctive and on purpose and have a reason. And and actually, it was very much a worry of mine. As the IDW book got closer and closer to 100, I was wondering, it's like, once it hits 100, what do we do? Are they... Gonna rebrand? Are they gonna reboot? Are they gonna stop the story? Are they gonna hand it over to a different creator? Because what sells
0: is is number one's. Hmm. See, I I will forever fall, and I agree with you from the marketing perspective. But someone who has read comics like I've read oh, all over the years, I will forever be in the camp that says, I don't give a bleep about a number one. I want a good story and I want continuity to where I can go back and refer to great stories. I would rather be able to tell you Let's talk about the city fall story arc of issues blah through blah, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, "Oh well, let's go and talk about 2019's number one issue of the turtle." Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely, yes, yes,
1: yes. Uh, and 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 you know what? I I fall in that camp as well. Uh, unfortunately, the business side of printing and selling comics often gets in the way of that. True. True. Uh, because if you know if you, if if you're coming up on issue 67 of Daredevil and they're like if if we do the exact same story but slap a number 1 on this we will sell twice as many that's a no-brainer you know yeah
0: but and, but you know uh, as a side that. as a side note to that i think while that does have an immediate bottom line hit that over the long term the long game here I think what you see happen is you look at historical numbers of comic book sales overall and you see those declining on an industry scale because, in part, I think because of the the repeated number ones, I think that has an alienation effect. But back to turtles, let me (laughs) say this. We 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 do know, regardless of number ones, we've had one, two, three, four, five, all the way through 100, and you've had this same creative team. So before we get into the actual stories, do you think having that same creative team over a long game, has there been a long game story arc here, and do you appreciate that, or is that something that... Not ha- it would have not mattered anyway because you like the turtles.
1: Well, I would own all of them anyway <laughs> because I love the turtles so much. H- however, I, I, this is going to sound like just a lot of hyperbole. Okay. But after finishing, fi- after finished reading like number one yesterday, I consider what, this, this run. The Ninja Turtles Masterpiece. Really? Absolutely. You know, I I have a place in my heart for the original stuff. I have a place in my heart for anything based on the TV show and the TV show itself. But when it comes to what I want out of the Ninja Turtles, this book is exactly it.
0: Okay, tell me if this is a true statement. My understanding of the IDW property is it took a little bit of the original run the black and white some Mm -hmm. elements from that it maybe took a couple of elements from the tv run it may have taken a couple of elements from the live action movies or this the new cartoons or whatever but it took different elements maybe the best elements of all of those mashed them up together and made something unique out of that am i would that be a good way to say it
1: that's a, that's a fantastic way to describe it and and you're absolutely right like the 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 groundwork is is there from the original comic even though they you know even from the jump they change just very crucial things about the turtles origins that you know on the surface if if you you know aren't invested in the long game here could probably turn you off like the, the in a nutshell the the, the The big change in the origin here is that the turtles are not only mutated turtles but they are the reincarnated souls of four Japanese children who oh, were murdered by awesome. the foot, yeah who were murdered by the foot clan hundreds of years ago, and splinter is the reincarnate reincarnated like soul of his of those four boys' father oh wow okay. Yeah. And and they and they kind of and they reveal that in like the first eight issues. Like it's not really a secret. They but they are very deliberate in the early issues to only give you what you need to enjoy the comic that you're reading.
0: Oh, but see you. But see the the the, the thing for a reader or a fan or someone like me who lives on the peripheral of the turtles, having that revelation is a. Like, um, like humongous. It, yes, it is. It, it just it totally shifts the paradigm from being something cartoony and you know this is like I was making the the joke earlier saying hey this is you know a rat and four turtles. It totally changes that that conception or perception.
1: Yeah, it, I I completely agree and. When you were saying that they, you know, you know, kind of put everything into a blender and out comes this book, they do it in a way that w- they're fine with making giant changes, and they always do it to, in service of the story. This this isn't like this isn't a Star Wars situation where oh well here's Yoda so you can say hey look there's Yoda you know. They're not going to introduce a character for the sake of introducing a character. That it's going to have to weave into the story the way they want it. Otherwise, why do it?
0: Mm. So, and, so no turtles, kind of dusting off their shoulders or anything.
1: No, 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 no. It's 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 every <laughs> everything is deliberate. Okay,
0: cool. Sorry, I couldn't resist that since you made the Star Wars reference.
1: Yes, it it brings in. Heavy influence from the original comic. It brings in heavy influence from the original TV show. Like the the, the personalities that were in the TV show are a little more woven into the the, the characters here. Uh, there are characters from the TV show that are brought in, like Bebop and Rocksteady. You know okay. the, the the those were never in the original comics. However, Tom Waltz has found a way to make them work in a darker universe and still be as ridiculous
0: all right so uh, let me ask you this so mm-hmm. there are some characters i know in this l- most recent arc you know 50 forward that mm-hmm. are called mutanimals i, I think is <laughs> how you say them. the mutanimals yeah mutanimals okay yep so are is Beebok and rocksteady are they the same thing are they different uh what do you mean like – like, uh, so what – okay, let me ask it this way. What is a mutanimal? Okay. Uh, a mutanimal is a faction
1: of mutant – mutant, like mutant characters that have basically grouped together to further mutant kind. It's it, it's basically Magneto. Okay. All right. Like if, if, if we're going to draw a direct analog to something – uh, the leader of the mutanimals in this run, which the mutanimals are not even a new thing that's that 's an, an idea that has come back uh, old old Hob, which is a mutated cat uh his his origin is the very first issue of the i d w run, and they 've kind of painted him as an anti hero who is he he brings in all of these these mutants that get thrown out of the regular story because Bad guys mutate things. Okay. And now he has basically a mutant collective that he's trying to to, to create like a a movement. That is an aspect that has never really been a part of the Turtles' history until now, like having a third or fourth faction of just side characters that
0: fight their own battle. Okay. So I want to go back and talk about – something that happened in a s- arc called city fall. And the, to my understanding, it has some mirroring of one of my favorite all time comic book stories, minus mm-hmm. the two movie adaptations, which were not very good, but the idea of taking one of your core characters, your, you know, hero character and taking that character and splitting one of those characters off into the bad guys, for lack of a better word. And that happened in mm-hmm. City Fall. Tell me about that. Tell me about this story where you see the or one of the four brothers going rogue and going bad and converting to the dark side for lack of a better term. <laughs> yes. Yeah, city fall.
1: I don't remember the exact numbers that that runs from, but in city fall, uh, Leonardo is for lack of a better term, brainwashed by the, the witch that has orchestrated the entire foot clan rise to, to power, uh, and Leonardo becomes the Shredder's, like, first lieutenant. And he stays that way for five or six, seven issues. It's, it, it, it's, it's quite a while. He changes his, you know, mass color. He wears a foot logo on his arm. Uh, he has fights where he fights his brothers. It's, it, it was a tough arc to read because. Not only is this character been compromised and taken over by you know the bad guys, uh, but the, the p- piece of the puzzle that Leonardo is, which is the leader of the team, is now missing from the team. So you have three other Turtles who are distinct characters and have distinct roles in the group that aren't in any way prepared to take over.
0: Interesting, because you... You really answered my next question, which was going to be why Leonardo and not one of the other three. But you just answered that question, which is it it allowed them, I think, based on what you just said, it allowed them to grow in ways they may not have. If they, you know, if you when you lose the leader and someone has to fill that void there, there's opportunity there.
1: Yeah, the the other three lift out much easier, and there's still be and, and and there still be some like cohesion to the group, um, but Leonardo is kind of pivotal. He's kind of the most important turtle. <laughs>
0: hmm. So I want to hit on real quick something that you said happened in the first issue of the black and white comic, which was you have Shredder killed in the first comic well spoiler you also have him killed in issue 50 of this series what did you think of that as reading as a fan what did you think of how that happened and did were were you happy with that and do you like the way the story went after that or what were your thoughts
1: One of my biggest criticisms of the IDW run is there's too many characters. Like they'll introduce a new mutant and then not mention them for 10 issues. And they have to have this big, Oh, here's what I've been up to. Like, I don't know. uh, For a long time, I thought it was like a a, a Nickelodeon mandate that they couldn't kill anybody. Uh, It's been proven that that's not the case. They do kill the shredder in issue 50. And, that issue was very cathartic. It's like the turtles never get to kill Shredder, except for that one time, you know, in, in the original comic that they did it. But since then, they don't really get to kill him. And Splinter decapitates him, and he does it in an, like an in an honorable fashion. He he they do it after like basically agreeing, whoever wins lives, whoever loses dies. Like it was. There was a lot of ceremony to it. It felt grand like it should. It's the Shredder, and you're killing him. Um, so I really, really liked it. Now, comic books are comic books, and they have found a way to somewhat bring the Shredder back. And, and, and at this point, I guess I have to say spoilers for it, issue 100. Uh, but... In the most recent issue, in issue 100, uh, big spoiler here, Splinter dies. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Splinter dies, you know, and he gives his life to allow Shredder to come back. And I say Shredder, I'm gonna, it's actually Oroku Saki. Saki, after having a, literally a trip through hell, uh, there's the, the miniseries was Shredder in Hell, and it was him coming to terms with him being a tool of a much grander like scheme that is in place at a much higher level that he was completely unaware of, and very he he goes into to thinking what did I you know I lived this life? It was a terrible life. I was a terrible person. Is there redemption for me? And Hamato Yoshi or you know Splinter grants him that he says this is your chance to go back to earth save the world be with the one you love and everything be fine i just have to die and mm-hmm. it, it it was a it was a really good way to bring the shredder character not only out of death but into a realm that he's never really been in and that is is he a good guy now we don't know
0: Mm. So I, I, I'm quiet for a reason because I see so many parallels to the journey friendship wise over, you know, from 63 to 2019, I'm seeing Charles Xavier and Eric Lyncher or Eric Magnus or however you want to say his mm-hmm. name, whatever decade we're in. But Magneto, you know, when you, you mentioned Magneto earlier, I, There's just so many parallels there that I think that is really, really good. Because some of my favorite Magneto stories was at a time when Charles was off-planet and Magneto was posing as Michael Xavier and was in the X-Men and leading the New Mutants. This was about Mm X-Men, I think, 200. Um, And then, of course, you know, whatever the New Mutants were on at the time – so, do you think that will be what will happen next? Is Shredder is now the father figure to the four turtles? Ah, uh, I, I don't think that's the direction they're going to go.
1: Um, the, the like the way it stands, the the Foot Clan is kind of being led by Karai, which was the the, the heir apparent to the, to the Foot Clan. Uh, I can see the Shredder being back, but being gone and kind of only being there as a as as a reference for karai because like at at this point the turtles have proven that they can exist without the without splinter he's he's been in and out of not their lives but splinter has been doing his own thing the past 25 issues okay and it wasn't until the last two or three where he was like no my family is the most important thing and he joined the Turtles again. So the Turtles have proven that they can be independent. All
0: and, right. So so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Killing a character used to in comics, you know, we've, we've referenced, oh, well, and, you know, this is comics. Nothing is ever forever. And we just mm-hmm. in the last 10 minutes talked about killing a character in issue 50 and then bringing the character back in issue 100 while you kill another character. That's, <laughs> that being said, do you think... This was needed for this issue? Did they make the right call? And when, specifically, when you were reading it, you know, we, we go away sometimes reading a comment like, oh, well, that was boring. I, I wasted five minutes, 10, 15. Or we sit there and, like, really think about it. What was your experience reading issue 100?
1: Uh, that's That's very hard to answer because... The, the, like the cynic that I am comes out immediately when I open the book, and I'm like, of course they're going to burn Shredder back. Of course. It's a comic book. Blah. However, the way they did it and the, the way they weaved the, 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 the story around why it needed to happen and how, it was, how the big deal had to be handled felt genuine to the story they were telling Do I do do I want it to be Turtles versus Shredder again? Not really. You know, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of. Well, I am a huge fan of that. It's just there's so much, so many other places they could go. That having the Shredder back doesn't seem as impactful as as impactful as they probably think it is. However, the change that they made to the Shredder character while he was in Hell could make this one of the most exciting stories about him going forward and say so, that's so, that. so i guess no go ahead the, 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 i guess the, the long answer is i really really liked it <laughs> that's, the, that's the short answer
0: all right cool so i want to give you a little bit more credit i think than you gave yourself and you said a few minutes ago that you were a, you know, a, basically a critic to some degree that you. Uh, um, cynic, yeah,
1: cynic. Yeah,
0: yeah cynic. OK, I, I want to, you know, take away the cynicism and replace it with something that I think happens to all of us who do podcasting, because I know now when I read something that is a comic book that I think I might review, I approach that not as a fan sitting down and reading it. I'm constantly in the back of my mind thinking, okay, what can I, what angle can I pull from this? And I think because of the things that you do, you have your hand in so many aspects of media from, mm-hmm. you know, interviewing people to talking about Ninja Turtles, to talking about comics, to talking about just whatever you want to talk about. I think that you train your brain to think a little bit differently and I don't think you're being a cynic or you know being overly critical in any way I just think that that's how your brain has programmed itself because you're looking to make content so I'm giving you a little bit more credit than you gave yourself and,
1: well and 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 you know what like what you just said kind of opened up a, another thought about that book you're 100% right when I'm watching a movie I I'm making mental notes. Oh, this part sucked. This part was great. I definitely want to talk about this blah 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 blah. When I was reading 100 yesterday, I found myself reading as a fan. Awesome. And See, and that right
0: there speaks highly of the book.
1: Yeah. You lost yourself in the book. Exactly, exactly. And 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 it's it, it, issue 100 is long. It's it's like at least double like double length. I think it's three time, I think it's 75 pages I think. I could be wrong.
0: I'm probably wrong. It mm. seemed way longer than it is actually. I would say that you're probably right and I will say that because the cover price on it I believe is 7.99. Yes it is. So, you know, I would, you know, IDW is a little more expensive I think the Star Trek properties that I've purchased are like on the 4.99 scale but still an $8 commitment for a comic plus tax. I would say seventy-five pages. Yeah,
1: yeah, and ev- they service every single character in that in that book. Whether it's the four turtles, whether it's Splinter, Shredder, April, Casey, Casey's dad, uh, Old Hob, all like the, the the group of mutanimals. Every single character has a piece of the pie, a piece of of the fate of the book. In a way that I have never read in any Ninja Turtle anything before.
0: All right, so let me ask you this question: Considering that we've gotten to 100 issue 101, what do you see going next? Where do the turtles go next?
1: Actually, actually, I have the very good—I have a great answer to that. We did not even talk about the fifth turtle.
0: Oh, okay. Let's go for it. Fifth yeah. turtle,
1: tell me. Yeah. In, I believe it was issue 92, they mutated a character by adding the ooze to a, a, like a blood transfusion, and the blood that they had available was Leonardo's blood. So when they injected her...
0: Oh, it she, is a woman. She becomes yes. she
1: turtle. She becomes a she turtle. yeah. And that... There's so many things different about that origin than we've ever seen before. Like, first off turtles have never started off as humans. Okay. So we have a character that going into this next run is going to be coming to terms with being a mutant now.
0: Okay. And being a turtle and and being a
1: turtle and being the only female turtle on the planet. And she was kind of dating Casey Jones before she was mutated. So how does that work? Does it still work? Like it, it's, it's going to be an emotional journey specifically for her, a character that is new, but familiar enough that I were already invested. Like the mm-hmm. character of Jenica has been around since I believe 75 issue, 75, 73, somewhere around there. So we know who she is. We know her backstory, at least some of it. and, not only is one oh one going to start the transition of, you know, period from her going from human to mutant, but they're also launching a like a mini series in February. So basically right alongside it, that is just a Jenica story.
0: Mm, okay. So Correct me if I'm wrong here. You know, this is one of my fr- phrases. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there is lore, you know, history for a female turtle. You want to briefly tell <laughs> listeners a just a nutshell or a half shell, uh, uh, half overview. shell, nice. yeah, half nice. shell uh, <laughs> overview of the the lore of female turtles and the history of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah, yeah. So
1: the 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 first real instance of there being a female fifth turtle uh, was in the in a live action TV show produced by Saban, which is the Power Rangers people. It was produced right after the cancellation of the original cartoon, uh, and th- specifically that character and how that story was written and how it was produced was kind of a breaking point between. Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. Eastman was like, yeah, let's do it. Peter Laird was like, nah. There's four turtles. That's it. And uh, like, other than that big like that 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 character's name was Venus DeMilo. Okay. (laughs) Was very bad. Just categorically bad. Outside of that, there have been little instances where like there was a there was an Archie comic. 25 years ago where april was mutated for like half an issue there's there's a little bit of a history there uh, but Jenica is clearly like it, it she's the fifth ninja turtle and and that's how and, and that's how venus demilo was in that television show show so she's mm-hmm. d- the de facto like replacement she she is she is hey this is we did this once it sucked let's try it again it's going to work this time i is is really how i feel it's it's being treated
0: mm-hmm. okay so just from what you've described to me it sounds like they said let's make people like the character and then let's have this happen to her but it wasn't it it seems less gimmicky oh yes yes it's
1: it's 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 baked into the story they're telling
0: So speaking of stories that they're telling, I want want to step outside the box real quick. And this is honestly my last question. So I I maybe saved the best one for last. So my last question to you is going to be this. Alternate reality. Reality is breached. You are now the writer of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. What would be off the top of your head, what would be your first story that you would want to tell? Oh wow. Fly by the seat of your pants. First, uh, first thing that comes to your mind, what would that be? Just, just wing it. What, what do you think?
1: I would, and this, this kind of goes, uh, outside of tradition. I would separate the turtles immediately. I would, and, and, and actually Peter Laird did this in volume four for a while, but I would send them on their own individual adventures uh there there's enough places for them to go like they they they, they dimension hop they time hop uh they, they they have someone who they literally have a buddy that can travel anywhere in time and space like separate the turtle have them develop their characters individually more that way when they have to return like they can then grow together as different people cuz i say people but they 've always been seen as a team, and anytime you touch on individual stories with the turtles, you get so much more character growth out of it and that's and and those end up being the more memorable stories so that's probably what I would do i would i i, I would I'd make Leonardo partner up with a with with nobody and alopex and and they patrol new york city um donatello i would send him to dimension x with the fugitoid uh and a a bunch of the 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 utrams to fix something on another planet in another dimension Uh, michelangelo i would pair him with say I, i don't know the 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 uh I can't remember his name, but the the pizza guy and and have him go maybe to to, to, to California and explore, uh, like, the creative side of the Michelangelo character. Uh, Raphael, he's worked with the Mutanimals before. Never works out good. I would like to see him maybe put together a crew and fight the Mutanimals. You know, and and let Raphael be the, you know, stand in for, for Xavier.
0: Mm, okay. Cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. As I said, separate the turtles.
0: That, that's what I want. I, I, I want them to grow individually. So for all the listeners of Reality Breached who have not checked out the Shellheads podcast yet, you, my friend, have given the perfect reason why someone who needs to go and listen to your other podcast. Because I sprang that question on you without any forewarning without anything. And I honestly expected you to give me about two sentences and you had within just a few minutes developed this story that I'll be brutally honest and say, I would love to read that.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, and, and, sir. And, and, and I, I, I want to say that I will sound that great on every episode of Shellheads. Probably not the case. But uh, if, that, if that's what we're plugging right now, let me get to it. Uh, Shellheads, it's, it, it is a podcast about Ninja Turtles. Every episode, we talk about a different aspect of them. Uh, sometimes we talk about comics, sometimes you talk about TV shows, sometimes you talk about movies, but usually it's right in the episode title. You know, hey, we're covering Mirage Comics issue this through this. Uh, and it's me and uh, Jeff Hubbard uh, from the Warp Zone Arcade and We're up to issue, not issue, (laughs) episode 25. We have a whole year planned for 2020
0: with all kinds of cool stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let me say this. I have learned a hell of a lot about the Turtles. Um, You've given me new appreciation for the Turtles, and I think that is what is so cool about Talking with someone that is as passionate about the source material as you are, because you come with it not just with a passion, you come with it with history and a knowledge that is awesome. And I have had so much fun talking about this with you. The only thing I have to say is we have to get you back on discussing comics sooner rather than later. That's true. That's true. It's well, it's almost twenty twenty. We got to talk about movies uh, of twenty twenty. Yes, yes. And we need to kind of recap, but it'll be 2020 before we know it. Maybe we can briefly recap our 2019 list, because, you know, I know your favorite one was Dark Phoenix, hands down, you know. (laughs) Yep, I know it's your favorite. Well, look, seriously, though, my friend, I have had so much fun, and if anybody wants to check me out, you can find me on all the discussing shows, the discussing Trek, discussing Who, discussing comics, of course, and you can find all of those shows at discussingnetwork.com. So, again... Thank you. I have had so much fun. I know I've said that before, but my hat's off to you. This has been so much fun. And at this point, I'm turning the show back over to its creator and main host. <laughs> so, Sergio, the, it's back in your court. It's like, oh,
1: wow. Like, look, I, I, you returned the show back to me, and somehow it has less dents. Like, it's actually in better shape than when I handed
0: it over. Like, Sweet. Well, I will just say that I will breach reality anytime you want me.
1: Oh, well, that is that is good to know, and I will definitely be calling you up. Uh, f- thanks for listening to this episode of Reality Breached. As as we said before, listen to Shellheads if you really want to hear some more turtle stuff. Otherwise, uh, have a happy holidays. We I, do we have another episode coming up before the end of the year? I yes, yes, we close out the year with Star Wars. That's ah. gonna be our last episode of 2019. So. If I don't say this next time, have a happy holidays. And may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Remember, get the ransom, shoot the hostage. Thank you for listening to Reality Breached. Don't forget to check out our other podcasts, the Black Pocket Podcast, and the Reality Breached Local Spotlight, all available on
0: realitybreached.com. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Wi-Fi sci-fi. Wi-Fi sci-fi. Wi-Fi sci-fi. Sci-fi.
1: What is Wi-Fi sci-fi? It's girl in space. Tales of sage and savant. The Ninth World Journal. Oz Nine. Cone Base Theta out. It's girl in in space. space. wi fi Sci-fi. Wi-Fi sci-fi. What is is Wi-Fi sci-fi? Find out at wifi sci-fi dot o r g. Wi-Fi
0: sci-fi.